the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Tuesday, August 16th, 2022. I am Seth Liebson. 602 is the number. That's 602 A year ago, President Joe Biden thought he could earn a political victory in its own self-imposed deadline to get us out of Afghanistan to commemorate a victory and an end timed to the anniversary of September 11th. You don't hear him talking about that effort today or this week, a year after his ill-advised and precipitous withdrawal that led to the killing, the killing of 13 United States of America soldiers. President Biden was in the United States Senate when we pulled out of Vietnam in 1975, much the same way. In fact, he was part of the cause of that embarrassing renunciation of freedom and devastating loss of life. He voted to yank the funding of our allies who had turned the corner and were winning against the Vietnamese communists. That vote was the deciding factor in forcing the United States out of Vietnam, and it was all to weaken the then sitting president. Another political virtue signal. It had the effect of strengthening extant and growing communism. And country after country after country fell to Soviet-funded and inspired communism until 1981. As I like to say, communist organizations and movements became communist governments. And millions of people lost their lives. Having been vice president when we released Taliban terrorists from Guantanamo, five of them now serve in the Taliban government in Afghanistan. This is why you don't hear Joe Biden giving speeches on this. He promised and told us a year ago al-Qaeda was no longer in Afghanistan. Well, its founder and leader was there in the capital city, and Joe Biden is now making ongoing propitiating efforts to fund and appease another terrorist state, Iran, which is housing and has housed al-Qaeda operative after al-Qaeda operative and probably the successor to Zark Wahiri. This is foreign and defense policy malfeasance. As I say, we've been here before and then also at the behest of Joe Biden. This, of course, begs an obvious question. Does Joe Biden even care about any of this? Which begs another obvious question. Does Joe Biden even care about freedom or tyranny? Will nobody rid us of this meddlesome priest? A page of history is worth a volume of logic, Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. once put it. And I was revisiting some of the history of 1975 from what we wrote in America, The Last Best Hope. For decades, it had been argued that the war in South Vietnam was a civil war, that the Viet Cong were indigenous forces. 
But in 1975, the communists of the North brazenly rolled over their southern neighbors. The U.S. Embassy in Saigon, soon to be renamed Ho Chi Minh City after the founder of communist North Vietnam, it was surrounded by invaders. The U.S. ambassador and his staff had to be airlifted by helicopter from the embassy roof. The ambassador bore a neatly folded U.S. flag under his arm. This was April 30, 1975, the last day of American involvement in Southeast Asia. This is not a day for recriminations, President Ford said. Ronald Reagan answered, when better? We should mark well the response of a pro-American leader of Cambodia. Distraught at the collapse of American will and American allies in Southeast Asia, the U.S. ambassador to Cambodia, one John Gunther Dean, offered to rescue Sirik Matak from certain death. Matak's response in elegant French is memorable. Of course, I'll do it in English. He wrote back to John Gunther Dean the following. I thank you very sincerely for your letter and your offer to transport me towards freedom. I cannot, alas, leave Cambodia in such a cowardly fashion. As for you, and in particular your great country, I never believed for a moment that you would abandon a people which have chosen liberty. You have refused us your protection, and we can do nothing about that now. You leave, and my wish is that you and your country will find happiness under the sky. If I die here, I have committed only this mistake of believing in you. Close quote. It's chilling isn't it? When the communist Khmer Rouge seized Phnom Penh, they shot Matak in the stomach. Unattended, it took him three days to die. It would take several years longer for masses of Matak's countrymen to die in a protracted horror known today as, Colum as Cambodia's killing fields. The French leftists who wrote the Black Book of Communism explain the numbers. When the Khmer Rouge chief, Pol Pot, ordered all residents of Phnom Penh out into the countryside, it resulted in 400,000 deaths. The average number of all executions carried out by the Khmer Rouge forces, the Black Book authors find, hovers around 500,000. Another 400,000 to 600,000 would then die in prison. And, of course, there was the hunger and disease that overtook city dwellers. People were suddenly thrust into the countryside with no provisions made for them, leaving another 700,000 dead. These numbers should shock the conscience. They're mostly forgotten. Nothing in Sirik Matak's haunting letter proved to be wrong, except perhaps the addressee. He should have sent his letter to people like Senator Ted Kennedy and Senator Joe Biden. They're the ones that sealed his fate. And so here we are all over again with one major difference. Neither Richard Nixon nor Jerry Ford helped create and staff the North Vietnamese government. So where are we today in Afghanistan? This report from the Politico, not exactly a conservative outlet this morning, quoting, the fact that Zawahiri was comfortably traveling to Afghanistan's capital, Kabul, merely shows how close al-Qaeda and the Taliban remain. 
Despite the vague statements that accompanied the Doha agreement that the Taliban would break with al-Qaeda, that has not happened. And indeed, many argue that the two groups are just as close as ever. Beyond a deterioration of economic and physical security, there has been an erosion of human rights under the Taliban regime, especially for women and girls. The United Nations mission in Afghanistan released a report detailing extrajudicial killings, torture, arbitrary arrests, detentions, and myriad other violations of fundamental freedom by the Taliban. Girls have been banned from attending secondary school, while women have seen their right to access the workplace and participate in public life significantly diminished. Perhaps it's time to recall how delighted so many of us were when women could once again go to school in Afghanistan. Now they can't. As the Taliban solidified control over large swaths of Afghanistan beginning in July of last year, there was a steady uptick in forced marriage and sex slavery. Afghans that identified as LGBTQ have been forced to flee the country. Those who stay behind have been electrocuted, tortured, and in some cases, murdered. In an attempt to suppress dissent or even reporting on these issues, the Taliban has also cracked down severely on independent media. Lynn O'Donnell, an Australian journalist who writes for Foreign Policy magazine, was detained abused and threatened by the Taliban's internal security apparatus. And yet the Democrats today talk about the oppression of women, human and LGBTQ rights as if the enemy is Florida and Ron DeSantis. About this, not a squeak. Where is Hillary Clinton? Where is Nancy Pelosi? Where is the woman all young girls could look up to and be proud of because they could be her? or like her, defending women's rights one day, i.e. Kamala Harris? Nowheresville is the answer. They, like Shakespeare's Falstaff, show up after battles that others won and take the credit, and play dead, hoping to be ignored, when people fail and fall by dint of the policies these progressive politicians inflict not just on Americans, but the rest of the world. We and the rest of the world have been tortured enough. I know we are exhausted. I know the previous administration was exhausting. But it was exhausting because of the media and Democratic Party onslaught of nonstop critique, cavil, criticism, and captiousness. Something far more exhausting and enervating, however, is a world ruled by the forces of decomposition, where death is honored more than life, and where women and religious and other minorities are honored for their obedience to retrograde religious and cultural depredation and killed if they do not so bow. There's a lot to talk about today, obviously. It just dawned on me that this needed to be cleared before that many more people say, well, at least Joe Biden is a nice guy. He's not. And there are a lot of graveyards across the globe and 13 particular ones here that testify otherwise. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Yes, I love the guys at Y Refi. If you're looking for a unique investment opportunity, I want you to check them out too. InvestYRefi.com. InvestYRefi.com. What they're offering is a fixed no load interest rate up to ten and a quarter percent return for investors, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm where the investors do really well by doing good for others, and you can be a part of that. Check them out at investyrefi.com or give them a call at 855-316-3087. 855-316-3087. You want to go to a movie for free? You want to take your best girl? Or if you're a woman, you want to take your best guy? Larry Elder's coming to town. And uh, we are hosting a premiere of his new movie, Uncle Tom 2. Larry Elder will come. He'll talk about the issues that are on your mind. He'll take Q&A from you after the movie. And as I say, it's August 24th. More tickets and information is available at 960thepatriot.com. If you missed my interview with Larry from last week, you can get it at 960thepatriot.com as well. And uh, what should we say? Bill, caller number three? Caller number three will get two free tickets to that movie, Uncle Tom 2, August 24th. I'll be there. Larry Elder will be there. Brandon Tatum will be there. Others as well. Uncle Tom 2, August 24th, this month, coming up. And if you are the uh, third caller, we will give you a pair of two free tickets. Just give us a call at 602-508-0960. And uh, if Bill, my producer, answers the phone, just uh, wish him a happy birthday when you talk to him, and he will give you those two tickets. All right. What I uh, wanted to take on next was uh, the ongoing story about the raid. I'm almost (laughs) – oh, the phones work. (laughs) That's so funny. That is so funny. Um, the, uh, The story I do not want to go away which was the dramatic, the unprecedented raid on Donald Trump, former President Donald Trump's house. Raid is the right word. Raid is the right word, irrespective, irrespective of whether there was a search warrant or not. It was a surprise. Thus, it was an, excuse me, it was a surprise and it was an intrusion, a legally sanctioned one for now, But nonetheless, that is what constitutes a raid. I can give you case after case after case from criminal law and criminal procedure where the word raid is used in exactly those circumstances when it's not the former president of the United States. Jonathan Turley, great um, and increasingly distinguished law professor at uh, George Washington. By the way, if you're calling uh, for the tickets, we got our caller number three, so... Uh, call, you're welcome to stay on uh, until the phones are answered and, and contribute to the show. But for now, we did give those tickets away for today. But bear with us. We'll give more out later in the week. And you can also buy them at 960thepatriot.com. Anyway, Jonathan Turley, in the, he writes, In the cult classic, The Incredible, Incredible Shrinking Man, boy, I haven't thought of that movie in forever, 1960 maybe? In the cult classic, The Incredible, Incredible Shrinking Man, the character Scott Stewart is caught in a thick fog that causes him to gradually shrink to the point that he lives in a dollhouse and fights off the house cat. At one point, Stewart delivers a strikingly profound line, uh, quote, The unbelievably small and the unbelievably vast eventually meet like the closing of a gigantic circle, close quote. 
If one sums up the incredibly shrinking stature of Attorney General Merrick Garland, it is that line in the aftermath of the Mar-a-Lago search. Two years ago, I was one of many who supported Garland. This is Jonathan Tarley, Turley writing. Two years ago, I was one of many who supported Garland when he was nominated for the attorney general. While his personality seemed a better fit for the courts than the cabinet, he's a person with unimpeachable integrity and ethics. If there are now doubts, it is not about his character, but his personality in dealing with political controversies. These concerns have grown. In the aftermath of the FBI search of former President Donald Trump's home in Florida, Still, too much remains unclear. The inventory list confirms that there were documents marked top secret and sensitive, excuse me, sensitive compartmented information, SCI, two of the highest classification levels for materials. However, the status of the documents is uncertain after Trump insisted that he declassified the material and was handling the records in accordance with prior discussions with the FBI. While the declassified status of these documents would not bar charges still under certain provisions, it could have a significant impact on the viability of any prosecution. I have not assumed, Turley writes, that the search was unwarranted. Yet, Garland seemed largely reactive and wrote in dealing with questions over bias or abuse in his department. Remember, in a highly unprecedented situation. In his confirmation hearing, Garland repeatedly pledged that political considerations would hold no sway with him. Yet, in just two years, the Department of Justice has careened from one political controversy to another without any sign that Garland is firmly in control of the department. Last year, for example, Garland was heavily criticized for his rapid deployment of a task force to investigate parents and others challenging school boards. When Garland has faced clear demands for independent action, he's folded. For example, Garland has refused to appoint a special special counsel in the investigation of Hunter Biden. But there is no way to investigate Hunter Biden without running over continual references to President Biden. Thus, by refusing a special counsel, Garland has removed the president's greatest threat. Unlike the U.S. attorney investigating Hunter Biden, a special counsel would be expected to publish a report that would detail the scope of the Biden family's alleged influence peddling and foreign contacts. Think about other special investigators' reports. They go into wide and varied issues. Likewise, The Justice Department is conducting a grand jury investigation that is aggressively pursuing Trump associates and Republican figures, including seizing the telephones of members of Congress. That investigation has bearing on the integrity and the status of Biden's potential opponent in 2024 as well. The investigation also has triggered concerns over the party in power investigating the opposing political party. It is breathtaking that Garland would see no need for an independent or special counsel, given this country's continued deep divisions and mistrust. The article goes on. I'll just conclude it this way. If it's merely a matter of temperament and tone rather than character, and he is not in charge, and these things are taking place regardless of his wishes to the contrary, he should resign. He should resign anyway. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Inflation to be worth less and less. I 
like you, am painfully <laughs> aware of this every time I go shopping. But the good news is that gold traditionally holds its value when other parts of the economy fail, like now. Seth here, do you have confidence in our government and their steering of our economic ship? I don't. So why would you put your full faith and credit in them and just the dollar? Real money has real worth. Gold is real money. So are other precious metals. That's why I have precious metals from the Midas Gold Group. So does Seb Gorka. So do thousands of you, the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. If you'd like to talk with them about putting precious metals in your portfolio, give them a call at 480-360-3000, 480-360-3000, or visit them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. Easy enough, MidasGoldGroup.com. Good people. Well, I mentioned it to John. It's worth mentioning it again, and maybe Hugh Hallman and I will talk about it when he joins us in the third hour. Masks are back, I guess, even if you're fully vaccinated, fully boosted, and have fully recovered from COVID. Masks are back. Joe Biden prances into the signing ceremony today for the Inflation Reduction Act, wearing his mask. Not an N95, by the way, the one kind that works, wearing the surgical kind, the kind that even his advisors have told him and NPR and the rest of the world are worthless. He walks in wearing this mask, takes it off as he enters, coughs into his hand, and then shakes Chuck Schumer and the other dignitaries' hands before doing his official duties of signing the legislation ceremoniously and then masking up again before walking off the set. It may be to him a patriotic duty, but he's doing it poorly. It would be like standing for the Pledge of Allegiance, but saying the pledge to another country, or garbling every sentence, just getting it fully wrong. I use the Pledge of Allegiance because he says wearing a mask is your patriotic duty. He does it and wears it wrong. He is the model of how not to use a mask. He's using the wrong kind of mask in the first place, and he's misusing it horribly. I don't know if people tell him that. I don't know if people care. I don't know if people tell him that, and he understands it. I just don't know. But I will tell you, about the signing of this act, the folks at Issues and Insights have it right. Joe Biden's $700, excuse me, Joe Biden's $700 billion Inflation Reduction Act passed both the Senate and House. Do you know this? Not one single Republican voted for it. Not one. It has zero redeeming value and is the most, it is the most wretched bill out of Washington since Obamacare was approved in 2010. The GOP, when they come into power in January, has duty one, taking it off the books. As pointed out, the entire bill is a lie. The entire bill has nothing whatsoever to do with inflation and, in fact, will not reduce it at all. The University of Pennsylvania's uh, Wharton budget model says the IRAs, the Inflation Reduction Act's impact on inflation is statistically indistinguishable from zero. Remember that. Statistically indistinguishable from zero. Bill Adams, the chief economist for Comerica Bank, says it won't rein in rising prices over the short run. And the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, says it does nothing to address inflation. What it will do, however, 
because we are spending $700 billion on something, right? What is that $700 billion being spent on? It will enact much of the New Green Deal, a counterproductive bill that was conceived as a means to redistribute wealth rather than save the environment, though green, through green initiatives. And it was estimated to cost $51 trillion to $93 trillion in its first decade. It will raise energy costs and, according to James Agresti of the Just Facts website, make America poorer by subsidizing products that are much more expensive. It will outright rob millions of Americans of their livelihoods by requiring businesses to hire workers rather than let them work as independent contractors, which many prefer. This provision of the bill is based on California's Bill 5 from 2019, which has stolen Californians' right to work and hurt small businesses. The law is so depraved that it's likely to require the state's 70,000 independent truckers, who are key to moving goods from West Coast ports to the rest of the countries, to sell their trucks and either retire from the business or drive as an employee of a shipping company, says Edward Ring at the California Policy Center. It's nearly impossible to overstate how cruel and malevolent similar provisions in the Inflation Reduction Act are. What it will do is enact hidden taxes that hit Americans across all income groups. What it will do is reduce the incentives of some people to work, mainly because of the enhanced health insurance subsidies, pushing down output and pushing up inflation, according to the Congressional Budget Office. What it will do is create an army of IRS shock troops who will abet the progressive socialist political complex consolidation of raw political power while wrecking families, individuals, and small businesses. What it will do is use its 40 pages of amendments to the Clean Air Act to, quote, arm litigants hostile to the energy industries and employ various provisions of the Clean Air Act not heretofore deployed by the climate crowd, as possible vehicles to re-engineer the U.S. economy. Simply put, the Inflation Reduction Act is jam-packed with Democratic Party crackpot ideas that could not get passed on their own nor survive debate piecemeal. It is the most, of ro- it is the most rotten of policy stews cooked up in more than a decade. Republicans need to campaign for the midterms on the sworn pledge that if they get veto-proof majorities in both chambers, they'll repeal it. Fake promises like the ones made about Obamacare are unacceptable. In the meantime, the Republicans or some sharp attorneys who understand how harmful this act is should seek relief through the courts. Use the most novel legal theories, if necessary, to have a judge issue an injunction that will halt its implementation until it's repealed. There's nothing the GOP can do that's nobler than ridding the country of this kind of sleaze. You know, we're having a um, primary today in a couple of states of import, Alaska, Wyoming, and Liz Cheney's career is probably going to be over as a result of today's primaries in Wyoming. That's to the good. Why is it to the good? A lot of reasons. Here's one of them. With all the credibility she's built up with the Democrats and independents in the media, wouldn't it have been nice for her to have a word to say about this act and maybe lead the Republican charge and campaign against it? No, no. To her, her job is, in her dad's words, saving this country from the most dangerous man in the history of America. 
nice work if you can get it. And she will now lose that job. Portions of the show are brought to you by the good people at Balance of Nature, good people who make a great product. I take it every single day. One daily dose is the equivalent of 10 servings of fruits and vegetables. You get 16, a blend of 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables with just one dose, one daily dose, capsules that you swallow. Or if you don't like to swallow them, open them up. They're designed for that and sprinkle it in food or drink. You can even chew them. Boosts your energy, it boosts your health, and it boosts your immunity. Can't tell you... Enough how much I like Balance of Nature. You can access it too, balanceofnature.com. Just make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Very long article, very good article over American Greatness by Victor Davis Hansen on the Mar-a-Lago situation. By the way, uh, our listener uh, uh, Keith in Atlanta had an idea. Let's develop T-shirts that say, Remember Mar-a-Lago. Play on the slogan, remember the L-A-M-O. Yeah, good work, Keith. I like that. I agree with that. There are existential threats to the United States, Victor Hansen points out, that the FBI seems not to care about. They care much more about the president who used to be the president. Uh, There are threats to the United States on the open southern border, from cartel drug runners and terrorists to child traffickers. Uh, There were 120 days two years ago where Antifa and BLM coordinated violent riots that led to over 35 dead, $2 billion in property damage, and over 1,500 law enforcement officers injured. A federal courthouse, a police precinct, and the historic St. James Episcopal Church in Washington were at various times firebombed or torched. Rioters attempted to storm the White House grounds and sent the Secret Service scrambling to a secure bunker with the president. Anyone remember that? Anyone remember that date? No, they remember January 6th. All of the above was ignored by the FBI. Yet these and other violence and illegality posed far more dangerous to the American people than do the worried Virginia parents upset about the critical race theory indoctrination of their children, which the FBI also went after. Finally, Merrick Garland has failed to explain why he had sought out a particular federal magistrate to approve the warrant to raid Mar-a-Lago, a magistrate who earlier had recused himself from another case involving Trump. Apparently, Magistrate Bruce Reinhart felt that either his own past partisanship or prior legal work made it impossible for him to remain unbiased in cases involving the former president, except on this one occasion, just this once, to empower the FBI to raid Donald Trump's home. But again, Garland did give a spirited, almost angry defense of the Judicial Department, Justice Department, and FBI. He was hot de- in hot denial that they were anything but professional civil servants. Yet he did not explain why nuclear secrets, long sitting in a locked room at Mar-a-Lago, were suddenly putting the nation in harm's way in a manner they had not for 18 months. Think about that. And if you think those codes aren't changed anyway on a routine basis, think and guess again. None of the narrative makes sense. None of it. Unless you're a liberal Democrat or a lefty, in which case it makes perfect sense because we're going after Republicans and they cannot exist.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.